In his third adventure, Indiana Jones joins his father in the quest to uncover the Holy Grail, which features the biggest set pieces of the franchise so far. So let us take a look at Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Welcome everyone to the Collector's Cut. I am Peter and joining me as always is David. I'm like a bad penny. I always turn up. This is a movie podcast. We are working through the Indiana Jones franchise, building up, of course, to Dial of Destiny, the fifth one that is about to come out. But we are here for entry number three, which is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So we'll get into it. We'll start spoiler-free as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we do spoilers. And we'll, uh, yeah, we'll talk about, you know, the cast, we'll talk about the plot, we'll talk about all the different things, uh, we'll work through it, all the usual stuff. So, um, yeah, this one, obviously, Temple of Doom, a bit divisive. Mm-hmm. Um, we were relatively negative on it, I would say. I was going to say, I thought you were about to end that sentence with positive, and I was like, do I have to bring <laughs> up the score sheet, Pete? Because I can tell you for certain that you were not. No, 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 no. We, we were we, we were relatively negative. I'm just, I'm just trying to sugarcoat it a little bit, that's all. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think Last Crusade is generally considered a good sequel, probably the best sequel of the bunch. Um, mm. I kind of remembered that, although it's been a long time since, since I've seen this, but... Uh, this one's about the search for the Holy Grail. Sean Connery's here as Indy's father. Mm-hmm. So that is a thing. Uh, we also have Nazis again. We also have Brody back from the first movie, as well as Salah, which is uh, John Reese Davis's character. Yeah, that one caught me off guard when he showed back up again. I mean, I saw him in the opening credits, but I was still amazed that they just threw him in in the middle with like very little pomp and circumstance. He's just here now. I felt kind of bad for uh, Marion because she's like the only character from the first movie who's not. Oh, don't don't worry, Pete. We'll get Marion back soon. Oh, I know, I know. She's in Crystal Skull, but it, it kind of feels like just a shitty at the time. You know, in 1989 when this came out, they made some choices, and I don't know mm-hmm. if it seems very. Fair. Admittedly, you know, there is at least a flirtation with someone else in this, so I suppose yes. they didn't want to murky the waters or they already had the father-son story they didn't need a love triangle thrown in there as well yeah so this is a 1938 this is set in so still before world war ii which is interesting it's not a year before that but yep uh we're very much in kind of the build-up to that and you know as with the first movie and the idea that hitler wants to find things that will help him rule the world uh now he wants the holy grail as opposed to the ark of the covenant and that is very much what the plot of this is all about. And it turns out Henry Jones is kind of like his expertise is in medieval and Christianity artifacts and things like that. So he's still mm-hmm. archaeology, but more specific. Uh, so he's already kind of involved and an Indy's brought in to get involved as well. And yep. the plot kind of goes from there. So, you know, there's big set pieces. There's, there's uh, puzzle elements. There's all sorts of things going on. We'll get into it. But David, without any yes. further ado... How did you feel about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? So this is by far the one that I just had the least sitting in my head already. Like, Raiders mm. of the Lost Ark, like, everyone's seen it, everyone knows it, you got the beats. Temple of Doom, I knew strictly through cultural osmosis and, like, one or two viewings way, way long ago. Last Crusade, I watched maybe once. And I say maybe because there were a bunch of scenes in this movie that 
I don't remember it all. Like, completely under my radar. But then, by the time we get to, like, the third act, all of that seemed very familiar. So, with all that being said, not having a lot going into it, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a blast. I do think that the Indiana Jones franchise as a whole keeps getting more... The word zany comes to mind. <laughs> and this does not disappoint that trend because there is a lot of hijinks. There is a lot. Mm. I think this is the most, just by dialogue, like number of lines, this is the most Indiana Jones has spoken compared to the last two films combined. Like he doesn't shut up in this movie. And it's because he keeps on having these back and forths with his dad that are very hijinksy, very comedic the whole way through. The action is still there, don't get me wrong. And I think that this one, whereas the first two were very, as we compared them to serials, very much a collection of this and then this and then this, this one felt the most cinematic. Like it had the most overarching plot and you couldn't really take out any individual scene without upsetting the flow of the entire movie. So overall, gonna give it a positive, but it does have its faults. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree and disagree with what you said there about it. Like, like I, I think it does have those hijinks, right? It's absolutely got the hijinks that Raiders didn't. Raiders mm. was a more serious, straight... It obviously had some comedy beats, don't get me wrong. We're not saying it didn't, but it was definitely a lot more serious than this, whereas this has comedy beats in the middle of the action set PCs. It has, you know, all, all these little things. That said, though, I don't think it's as silly as Temple. I think Temple, things really? like the, okay. the life... Things like the life raft, things like that, were just the actual zany moments in the action were just a bit more absurd. Not that there's none in this, but I do think this one, like it, it reigns that in. But like you say, it does have a lot more back and forth dialogue. But this one, I think, because it goes back to the university, it goes back to setting up the plot. It you know it feels thematically relevant to the first one because once again, it's Nazis wanting an artifact, and Indy gets involved, right. and all the rest of it. Um, it feels like it spends time setting up his plot and doing all this stuff so i i think it, it feels like a true sequel to the first movie in a way that temple of doom kind of didn't mm-hmm. and not so much that i felt that at the time watching temple of doom but i think in hindsight it feels really like the odd one out, out of the original three i mean obviously once we right. bring in crystal skull and stuff we can and then we'll get the pentology and we'll see how that yeah. ends up but... but you know when this was a trilogy you know when i first watched these you know crystal skull didn't exist yet you know temple of doom mm-hmm. did feel like the weird one in the middle and this felt like a true sequel and not just because it brings characters back but just because it felt more kind of like although one of the things i was noticing as i was watching it is i'm a big fan of uncharted the the video game series and we of course did the movie some time ago and yes, we did uh I, I was noticing that a lot of like the inspirations it probably took from indiana jones were probably more from this movie than any other entry mm-hmm. uh stuff like looking at the little uh, notepad that's got all the clues in it and like figuring out puzzles and looking for roman numerals like that's a that's a lot of what you do in the puzzles in that yeah in those early games so uh that that really stuck out to me watching this again because i don't think i've watched this since i've played all those games so Meaning that I've not watched this since before 2007, basically. Yeah, this movie is the first one where I felt like the puzzles pretty much throughout the movie were laid out in a way that the audience, like, could follow along. Like, the best way I could say it is the sort of detective novels where they give you all the clues and you can, as the audience, get to the point before the detective does. 
I think that this is the first uh, movie where... Well, so, some I mean, of the stuff at the end, I, I would say that not yeah. all of them, because there's the stuff early on where you can follow along, but I don't, when he's, like, figuring out the numbers in the library, you can't solve any of that as, as an audience member. You you're, you understand yes. what he's doing, but you, you can't you can't say, oh, I know where this... Like, where he's going to find the thing, you know? Yeah, I guess. I, I guess it's more so that they spend more time after they forecast it to the point where they actually solve it. For instance, at the very beginning with the Roman numerals, there's a point where they look at the the other Roman numerals and they're like, where's this third one? And then Indy like looks down at the ground briefly. And then it's not until like 20 seconds later that we actually get the reveal to the audience. But obviously, as soon as he looks down, the audience would be like, oh, it's on the floor. Mm. I, I, hey, guys, I figured it out. Yeah, so it's... It's definitely got something that I think Temple of Doom was lacking. It also mm-hmm. has uh, an entertaining co-star in Sean Connery. Like, yes. their back and forth is, by and large, pretty entertaining. Something that the annoying <laughs> character of the last movie did not have within the... They, they, they were going for it. They were going for that thing with Willie where they had this back and forth, but um, it, it didn't quite have... See, I, I would have compared this more just because I've always seen there being the sidekick and the love interest and marion was the only one who split that line who managed to do both of them i would consider sean connery to be more of the short round sure but i that doesn't still feel quite right though just no it doesn't because he isn't really like like he's he's got a very different character to everyone else i think i compare him more to the love interest because that's the one that he had the back and forth with more yes he talked to short round obviously Mm. but the, the 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 sort of the supposed to be charming back and forth wasn't with him it was with that was supposed to be charming it was supposed to be i'm not saying it was, was that Oof. but i do want to point out though that does bring up a good point the this movie never feels like it's recycling its side characters it never feels like we're getting the exact same guy just with a no. different name they always feel like their own specific slot whether you like them or not they are their own characters yeah so yeah, I mean, I like the movie. I never really got around to saying that. I, I like it a bit. It is mm. the best of the sequels. I don't think it's as good as Raiders uh, for, you know, a few of the reasons that we've kind of already alluded to, which is it's a bit zanier. Uh, even though some mm. of the zaniness, I do think is it works better than Temple. It works more in context in this movie than almost anything in, uh, in Temple did that was zany. Yeah, I can see that. Um you know, at the very least, they set a thing up. Okay, it's kind of zany, but then they use it. So they set up, they establish a thing, you know, like say a trap door, and then they'll mm. use that trap door a few times for for the comic effect, and it works because they've actually set it up and they play it off, as opposed to, you know, just the I mean, there, water was... humor or or whatever else they may have had last time. Yeah, I will say there is one point in this movie, which I won't spoil how we get there, but there's a scene where one character runs into a building and then all of a sudden the facade of the building closes and turns out it was just the back of a truck. That just felt like a Looney Tunes. Like, I've I've seen that Looney Tunes moment. That has definitely been the most hijinksy that I think it really gets without reusing it as an actual plot point, like you're saying the trapdoors and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fair. There's there's definitely examples in here, which is why I do think I definitely don't hold it as highly as I do Raiders. Uh, the other thing would probably be um, the pacing is good in this, but I wouldn't say it's as tight as Raiders. Uh, no, definitely not. So I, I would say that, and the action also very good. 
like you know there's some fun stuff uh, especially later on uh, some interesting set piece like locations and moments uh, but I, I wouldn't say that any of the big, bigger major ones, again, live up to the best ones in Raiders. But as a sequel to that film, if you want more of Indiana Jones and you want more of the character, you want a, another adventure, this is definitely, I think, more of a a good follow-up to it, where it, it takes it a little bit further, it does some slightly different things with it, it has a personal story with Indy and his father and whatever they've got going on, and that's kind of the heart mm-hmm. of the movie, That's the that's the real story of it. Um, you know, I, I am going to critique the opening a little bit, which is the, the backstory of Indy when he's a teenager. Um, you know, well, I'll save it for spoilers, but I'll just say it goes a little bit over the top with how many things happen in the span of about an hour of his life. That's all I'm just going to say. See, that's how I felt about the entire last act of Temple of Doom. Was It was just too much for one night to hold, and yet there we were. Oh, I actually, not, oh no, I get what you're saying, but this is different mm-hmm. because this this is this is the prequelatest problem. And this movie's not a prequel, but this opening mm-hmm. scene of it, Last Crusade is kind of what has become the franchise vomit uh, prequel, where all it is is we have to fit in all the references to the things from later on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? There's just too much of that. Like, you can have one. You can get away with one. See, that, that's the one thing, and I mean, it's, it's really a spoiler for the first, like, five minutes, but the one thing that I never quite understood George Lucas's, or whoever it is behind the scenes, obsession with is explaining why their characters have scars that the actors just legitimately have. Because they, they took a whole segment out of uh, Empire Strikes Back to explain, oh, here's why Mark Hamill looks slightly different after his car crash. It's like, not, he, he can just look different. You can just have that. And then in this movie, they took time to explicitly say, here's why Harrison Ford has a scar on his chin. I don't think I've ever noticed that scar, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, neither have I, but they took the time to explicitly <laughs> say it. And I'm like, maybe you're just going a bit too in-depth there. Yeah, yeah, it's just been a bit too cute. And I think that's mm. fundamental. And you obviously Star Wars are very guilty of this because of the prequels and all the rest of it. But mm. uh, it's something we see a lot now with uh, legacy sequels and having to over-reference every little detail. Um, but I'll get into the specifics when we get into spoilers. But yep. that said, though, I was kind of dreading that opening like sequence or extended sequence, yeah, which is I, about. I remember you were hard on that before we got into this. Which is a good like ten minutes long. It's like a short film, effectively. So, you know, instead of like the end of the previous adventure that like, the last two movies had, we get mm-hmm. this backstory instead, which is its own little adventure. Um, and yeah. I think it's not as bad as I was expecting. But I still have some just sort of objective critiques of it that I think is only worse as, as Hollywood has become more guilty of what this is guilty of. So yeah. it sticks out even more in a, a modern viewing. But, you know, I, I, I think the the villains are good. Not as good as Raiders. I think that's actually kind of my, my, my running thing that I'm saying here is that everything in this is pretty good. There's very There's very few things that I don't like. It's just that none of the stuff that's good is quite as good as Raiders. Yeah, I, I mean, it. it's it's such an unfair bar to hold it to as well, because obviously Raiders, they just kind of caught lightning in a bottle and managed to make it work for them. This one, I think it's trying so many, because when Temple of Doom came out, obviously it's a completely different thing. We're dealing with a different mythology. We're in a different part of the world, different characters, more or less. This one is trying to do so many things that Raiders did in the original, but it's still 
just not able to capture that same essence again. Because while they are trying to do the same things, they are trying to make it its own movie, which good for them. I don't want, just want to see Raiders again. But, yeah, of course, yeah. But yeah, it's it's an issue of every little change you make brings it down. They, I don't think they've, at any point in that movie, did they make a change that really elevated this movie to its own unique thing, save for one that I think they did fantastically on, but that is a definite spoiler, so I will hold off on that. <laughs> yes, uh, indeed. No, like, the set pieces are good, characters are good, by and large. Uh, you know, maybe it gets a little zany in places that, than I would have liked. Uh, but, you know, that, that, like, that's basically, it's a really solid, good sequel, which, yeah. uh, you know, plays off everything Raiders does and does its own sort of spin on it, and fundamentally it you know it deserves to be compared because it's a sequel you have to compare it to the previous oh, movies yeah. it would be ridiculous I mean, not that's, to that's the whole point of this show more or less is just comparing <laughs> all these things that are so similar <laughs> but like yeah it, it's it's good stuff so um mm -hmm. much better than temple and i know again the divisiveness of temple is that some people think it's the best one and they're going to be mad i'm saying that but like even just early on as soon as it cuts to the university and he's talking to his class and it's setting up, like, what he's going to do next. It's like, yeah, this feels like a sequel to Raiders of Lost Ark, as opposed right. to, you know... And then that's not to say that you have to go back there, and you have to, like, have a similar setup that that film did, but it just immediately grounds it and feels like you're back with that character. So before he goes off on the completely new adventure, you just sort of ground it a little bit and, like, okay, this is, like, to make you feel comfortable, and now we're going to shake you up by having him go off and do something different than he's done before and there are which, some elements to this that do shake it up a bit and we'll talk about those as we go through the spoilers yeah which i do wonder if maybe that's the reason that the opening sequence is kind of not something that we enjoyed as much is because it it's a completely brand new thing i mean it's a different actor obviously playing young indie it's nobody that we've ever met before in the location that we are unfamiliar with and the only thing that we have in common are just kind of these tropes, like you said, these things that they're calling ahead to rather than actually building well, up, you know? To be, to be fair to it, I do actually think there's some smart little creative choices in how it plays out and how it's directed at the start of that opening section. Mm. Um, something as simple as, you know, so it spends some time doing the opening titles, which I noted were a lot more muted. You can remember Temple had the big Indiana Jones logo. This has got yeah. more of a just a sort of basic kind of font and it's very mm -hmm. restrained. But, you know, the titles are playing out and we're seeing people right across the desert. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, they're kids. And it's like, okay, it's like a little swerve almost. And then it's a little swerve that who, you know, one of the kids is in there. I don't think that's a spoiler because we're saying it's his backstory. What? And then it's like a little swerve that this thing. I feel like it does like this sort of like, it keeps sort of pulling the rug out from you just a little bit. Not like a major way, but just a little bit. And it's just, it's a really smart mm -hmm. way to keep dropping you further in. Where it falls down is when it starts to like, and here's how Indy gets all these things or learns all these things or does all yeah. these things that are going to be important later. Uh, it's weird how his entire life was defined over the course of exactly 35 minutes. Yes, it's 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 very, very strange. But, you know, I, I do think there's good direction there. And I think the direction, by and large, is something I like more in this one than I did in Temple as well. I think mm -hmm. something about it is, like, I feel like when they made Temple, they you know, they got to it relatively quick. You know, it came out in 84, Raiders was 81. Uh, Spielberg went away and made E.T. <laughs> like, in between those, and maybe something else. It's a else. little film, no one even knows. Yeah. So, like, 
you know, it was a relatively quicker thing. And not that Spieler wasn't making movies for the rest of the 80s, like, before this one, but I feel like from a writing standpoint, at least, like, some more, it feels like more thought went into this. And Yeah, you know? I can see that. By the way, uh, just looking at Spielberg's credits here, E.T. was between Raiders and Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. at least release-wise. Uh, between Temple of Doom to Last Crusade, he did The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, and Always. Yeah, that sounds about right. And then followed it up immediately afterwards with Hook and then Jurassic Park. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that's kind of an interesting like mid eighties there, doesn't he? He sort of went yeah. away from adventure movies, and then this was his comeback to them. Yeah, more or less. So and then after that, he started doing a bunch of war, all the war, and he's still dipping into that occasionally these days. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, it's very good. Uh, obviously, the score is great. Uh, as it has been throughout Williams knows what he's doing I was going to say at this point it's just a moot <laughs> point like we would only be able to comment if the score is actually crap it's just expectedly good yeah I'm like uh, you know, the, the, it, it plays on the right ways at all the right moments uh, it brings in old themes when it feels right to bring them in obviously the main mm-hmm. theme plays at some key moments there yep. you go you know, I don't have a whole lot to say I'm sure someone who does music theory could come in and sit and dissect the whole thing and talk about it let me tell you why this g note defines indiana jones so yeah um i guess we'll just get the spoilers then so we can start talking about everything properly so spoilers for last crusade from this point on you have been warned uh as we said starts with the opening with the uh the young version of Indy. But it does a yep. little thing where, you know, it's not until the other kid says Indy or Indiana that you realize, oh, this is Indy. Um, yep. And it then swerves you by saying, oh, Indy's not afraid of snakes, which honestly is all you had to, like, just knowing that young Indy wasn't afraid of snakes yet is enough of a fun little bit. It's like, oh, that's that's interesting. That's something yep. along the way made him scared of snakes. The fact that we see what that moment is, like, five minutes later is, is, is where it feels a bit hokey. I actually stopped the movie at that point, turned to my girlfriend and was just like, was that it? Was that the, he was not afraid of anything at all. And then all it took was this one. I mean, to just clarify, he's running through a circus train. We'll get there as to how, and he falls into a basically tub of snakes, which don't get me wrong. Anybody else? I get it. I 100% (laughs) understand. If you have a phobia after that point, yeah, no problem. But for Indiana Jones himself, like, he also encounters like he's trapped in a lion's cage on that circus train. He has no phobia of lions. I'm just wondering why the snakes was the one thing that stuck with him out of that entire ordeal. Because it was Ekir or so. I, I, uh, what yeah. do you want from me? Uh, but you also obviously have him kind of like seeing this uh, archaeologist slash thief right there grave robber grave robber they're still in this cross right and he's like that belongs in the museum that's kind of his catchphrase of this movie is that's that belongs in the museum um but this guy's got the indie hat on right he's got a leather jacket like okay so this is who he's going to kind of like model his look after this he's going to Mm. like this guy in some way and sure enough uh you know he steals the cross he tells his buddy to go get the police or whatever and it leads to this chase where he runs out of the circus train that go over the roofs of the train he falls into the snakes as you said um he falls into the lion's pit which and this is the point where like to fight off the line he turns and sees a whip and yep. this this is the moment where i'm just sort of rubbing my temple i'm like oh come on like the fear of snakes 
he's witnessing someone who looks like himself as a you know as a again he's a he's a he's a grave robber but like you know the, yeah uh, but his you know, version of it and then the whip all taking place and of course the whole time i'm thinking like he's going to end up with that hat isn't he by the end of this oh of, no doubt of course he is and sure enough, he gets away he actually outsmarts everyone which impresses the guy with the hat you know which by the way this character is listed as fedora and imdb that's his name that's wow. what he's listed as fedora that's um, a good name but yeah so everyone shows up at his house when he goes back to tell his dad that he's got this cross this artifact from them and the police make him hand it back over and they give it to this guy in a white suit who's paid them off to steal it for him and yeah. it's all so it's, you know it's corruption whatever but the big thing at the end of the scene is that fedora leans in and sort of says okay you lost today kid but that doesn't mean you have to keep losing or like it and he takes off his fedora and gives it to him and then it transitions to like you know present day indie well i'll say present day 1938 and <laughs> transitions uh, to 2023 indie a dead corpse on the ground right um so during that sequence one thing i did want to bring up is that young indie is played by river phoenix who obviously was an up-and-coming star before tragically passing away and his brother of joaquin phoenix i think he did an all right job but i do kind of wish that the producers would have been like okay kid you got the role but just cut your hair just please it's 1912 at this point the fact that he has as long (laughs) of hair as he does i don't feel like just fits the time in general yeah, okay, I can see that. I mean, Indy was a re- rebellious kid. He oh, obviously, yeah. He he, as established throughout this movie, he had both mommy and daddy issues. I get it, <laughs> but I still think just for the time, it doesn't really fit. I mean, he's and da- then his dad makes some count in Latin, or uh, yeah, was it Greek? that's the other thing? It was something like is that. that. Yeah, this is our first. Sh- we don't actually see him, but this is our first run in with uh, Indy's dad, and he's already completely balls deep in on the holy grail quest and all that and when he indy comes in and tries to tell him hey i just like stopped this from being looted we can take this to the museum and get it put in there his dad doesn't even look at him and just tells him you know start counting in latin so i think it sets up already that father-son dynamic very early on so that by the time we get to it later in the movie it's more present in our heads oh, yeah. rather than figuring it the, out the setting up of the father son dynamics fine and that's the that's really the purpose of the whole thing they just mm-hmm. wanted to give you this young indie adventure and like all the origin beats and it's like the fact that he gets all of his key origins out of all like you can have him realize this is like his first taste of going on an adventure and like have him like you know fighting for his life and you can have one of the other things you can have either the whip you can have maybe the hat or you can have the fear of snakes and how he gets that fear you can't get all three. You can't even get two of them. Even two feels hokey. It feels like just silly. I I fully imagine there being some like version of the script where they're like, oh, by the way, that girl down the street, Marion, called. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, like they would so do that now. Young teenage yeah. Marion would come in and saying, "Hey, Andy." uh which wouldn't even make sense because she's so much no. younger as we pointed out in the first movie yeah, but, but they'd still do it because they need to have that name recognition or would it be even worse with like the neighbors walk down with their crib or the not a crib, sorry, oh, their, that their, would be so weird their stroller and they're like oh this is our baby mary and <laughs> and you just see you just see indy smiling down at the crib and then <laughs> all the audience's spines just shiver a little bit he imprints on the crib on the baby oh god i keep saying crib it's not crib <laughs> so it's a stroller it's yeah. a buggy 
whatever you want to call it. What's well, not a pram in the UK? I keep trying to think of the American one, and I keep saying crib just by default. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so yeah, the, the end of the story that we we get a little glimpse of at the end of an adventure, which is ending mm-hmm. after this cross, and the guy in the white suit still has it. Uh, and he has a little bit of an action in a boat where the radio, the water's crashing out of the boat and he ends up like jumping off and the boat explodes. Uh, and, you know. Yeah, I... <laughs> like, it is an impressive explosion, but it also feels completely unearned, like, in the process of the scene. It's just, all of a sudden, Indy jumps off and the boat just explodes. I know, there's a quick shot of why it explodes, though, isn't there? There's, there's a quick... Yeah, it's it's like there's crates labeled explosives but that's still <laughs> cheap i mean it is yes but it's better it's, look, i'm just saying some movies would just have the boat explode oh yeah no it's the same thing with like a car going off a cliff has to explode yes even if it doesn't make any sense i get it i understand they set it up a little bit but it still feels like hey we have this boat exploding prop how do we make it work in hey, the script to be fair later on when a tank is over a cliff it doesn't explode and I was waiting for it too. I was sitting there like, and go, no, and just... go. That's a freaking zeppelin in this movie, and there's, there's no explosions on that either. I genuinely believed that Indiana Jones is going to be responsible for the Hindenburg. <laughs> the thought crossed my mind. <laughs> I, uh, I was just waiting for them to like wait. zoom out from the blimp, and they say like, "Oh, was that the Hindenburg leaving?" <laughs> Now, correct. Like I could be completely wrong here. I didn't get the impression. I, I'm assuming this is a purely fictional thing, but maybe I'm wrong. Like, mm. did did Germany actually use zeppelins in any sort of commercial travel before the Hindenburg disaster? Was that something yes. that they were actually using? Well, here's the thing: the Hindenburg happened before 1938, so actually that would have oh, predated okay. this. However, yes, they were also using them in mild forms of travel. Obviously, it is wildly inefficient, though. So yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so so it's nonsense anyway, but just the idea that they've got this, like, first-class, like, dining room style, like, yeah. you know, area that they're on the, on a Zeppelin. I mean, I have plenty to talk about when it comes down to Which, to, to be fair, scene, to be but... fair, I enjoyed this setting. I'm not complaining. I enjoyed the mm-hmm. Zeppelin setting. Uh, you know, if we're, if we're, do, if we're do a bit of zaniness, then having a Zeppelin <laughs> is exactly the sort of thing that I can get on board with. Yeah, I mean, it... This movie, the the first movie was set in, you know, the Middle East, generically. Um, well, this one was the first one to really be set in Germany, and I feel like they really played up all the German tropes. Like, as many as they could get away with in the script. Well, we got a variety. We got Venice as well, of course, first. That was a big chunk. And then, yep. we got, then we got Germany, and then we got, I don't know, a desert somewhere. <laughs> I, don't even, yeah. I wasn't even sure. I mean, it's even a plot point, like, what city did they start their... Their journey it's to Al- the Holy Grail. Al- Alexandrite? Alexandrite? Something like that? I will take your word for it. Uh, oh. So, yeah, alright. So, I mean, basically, Indy's just taken by some men in suits. <laughs> yeah, we, we get the whole thing inside of the university. He shows off that he got the cross. They're putting it in the museum. He goes back to his office. For some reason, all of his students are clamoring to talk to him, and which I can only assume is because he hasn't shown up in the past, like, two months. Yeah, I I always think this about Indy as well in the first movie, because he says, like, I'll be in my office in these two days. And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. you won't. You're going to be on Cairo trying to dig up, like, the staff or some shit. 
I mean, he has to have tenure, right? There's no <laughs> way he gets away with just ditching all day if he isn't already tenured. Well, to be fair, his buddy helps run the place, so maybe... That's true. You know, yeah, he, he finances the whole thing. Yeah. They, so they know where he's going. They know it's, it's all like university, at least the higher-ups know about it. They know what mm -hmm. he's doing. Which I guess this is as good a part as any. I don't like that they gave Brody such a large role in this film. I think this was a mistake too. I think he's a he, yeah. he's too goofy. He's he's just this goofy like played for played for laughs character, and it just. Yep. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's like one or two moments that are slightly amusing, but like I, I like I didn't remember what happened to him, so I actually thought he might die early on, and that's why he was mm. coming with Indy. I thought, oh, this is setting up so that he can die, and that'll motivate something. And yeah. You know, sure enough, like uh, there is one ironic comedy cut to him that that give me a chuckle. Yeah, uh, where they saying like, "Oh, he's such a fantastic spy, you'll never find." He him, speaks right? ten like, languages. He'll blend in, and then it cuts to him at a train station. Like, excuse me, do you speak English? <laughs> please, anybody, please. I need some water. <laughs> it was a good scene. I'm, I'm awfully, I'm awfully indisposed at the moment. I'm afraid I don't understand what's happening. Anyway, so. <laughs> Yeah, so Andy's picked up with these guys, takes them to mm -hmm. a guy who's so obviously going to turn out to be a villain, but he's pretending not to be a villain. <laughs> I I actually thought it was so clearly the villain that they were just baiting me with it. Mm. So I, I was trying to catch him off. I was like, no, no, I, I think that guy's a good guy because there's no way he'd be so obviously evil. He, Joke's uh, on me. Yeah, he basically hires Andy to go and look for the second half of the instructions to get to the Holy Grail. Well, not exactly. He tells them, we hired your dad, and then he just disappeared. Oh, well, okay, okay. I'll rephrase it for you, sorry. Yeah. He hires Andy to do this because they already hired his dad, and he's went missing. So yep. finish his job, and maybe find your dad if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is the whole thing the entire time that Indy's basically just like, I'm only here to rescue my dad. Like, if, I, if the Holy Grail is stupid, it doesn't exist, I don't believe in it. Yeah, I should because we clearly established that God exists under the premise of the Raiders of the Lost Ark movie. But yeah, he's he's. I mean, he didn't quite see it because he had his eyes closed for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. But he 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 felt and like saw the aftermath and of the evidence that yeah. mystical forces are in fact a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, but I, I did like the moment though. See when they're like in the caves uh, a oh, bit yeah. later. <laughs> And they see the Ark of the Covenant on the wall, and there's a little bit of the score. And obviously, the main themes and stuff have been in all three movies, but there's obviously some score that was only in Raiders. A little <laughs> bit of the, the Raiders score kind of comes in a little bit. Yep. And he's like, that's the Ark of the Covenant. And she's like, are you sure? Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm confident. <laughs> yep. So, but yeah, so he heads off to, to Venice with Brody, who wants to tag along. It is, I guess, worth noting here, uh, when he was in his office, he got a package from Venice, and turns out that he finds out later oh, this right. was yeah, yeah. his father's Grail diary, which holds all of the notes he ever that, made on yeah, the Holy Grail. This is the final thing that says, "Okay, let's take the job." So he they, they go mm -hmm. off to Venice, um, which obviously you know we're going to play with the because Venice is very famous for its for its water, for its canals, and all that stuff. So you yeah. expect they're going to play with that, um. So th th this next bit is so Uncharted, and I know obviously Uncharted <laughs> took it from this, but like I, I couldn't help but think of it, which is like you know. So they meet up with the blonde lady, who's totally not a Nazi. 
<laughs> the fact that she's like they do the whole thing of like oh it's dr schneider you'll be meeting up yeah. with and they of course assume that it's a guy and so when she reveals herself to be a woman it's like oh okay that's you know a little bit of a flip you don't quite expect that for the time but then she immediately says like hello my name is elsa and i'm like okay german lady i know yes. who the villains here are yeah. you're not getting one over on me has anyone named elsa ever not been awful I mean, I could think of one, but that's only because I'm trying to get into good graces here. So, <laughs> so yeah, the actress who plays this character is called Alison Doody. I just thought the name Doody was amusing. Yeah, as soon as it popped up on screen during the opening credits, I, I chuckled like a four-year-old. I'm like, <laughs> Doody. So she takes them to this library that's actually like a, an old church that was turned into a library. And mm. they're looking for these Roman numerals because the, the journal says that it'll reveal the underground like crypt where this night shield will be. So the thing that the rich guy that hired him for this, uh, whose name is Donovan. So Donovan yes. hired him. He already had a tablet. It was partially damaged, so he only had like two thirds of it. But mm. uh, this is like one half of the clues. The other half is believed to be buried with the other knight because there's three knights, there's three brothers who yes. went to protect the Holy Grail Two of them came back, one died on the way, and the other one told his story to someone. So the story he told them went into this journal thing, blah, blah, But So mm -hmm. there's, there's two things. So it turns out to be the shield that this knight who's buried down here has has the other bit clues yes. on it, right? Uh, so we, yeah, we get them like figuring out the clue. Uh, Indy just casually, like, I'll just break the floor in this public library and hope no one notices. I I appreciate at the very least he looked around like he knows this is like he's not supposed to be doing this at the very oh, least. Yeah. Here's so. the thing. Grave robbers have never been very good about respecting people's belongings. So the fact that he's just willing to destroy public property pretty much wherever he goes tracks for me. But this public floor belongs in a museum. It is in a museum. That's literally where it is. Oh, it's it's in a library. A library's not a museum. Yeah, okay, fine. Got me on a technicality there, but I still feel like it's being well-preserved <laughs> considering that these 700-year-old Roman numerals are just hanging around. <laughs> I, I get what you're saying. It's spiritually kind of museum-esque, but, yeah. you know, it, it's a library. So <laughs> it, it, belongs in, it belongs in Britain. That's what we're saying. All of these places need to send their stuff to British museums. I mean, I get... I, we, we just, they said in the first movie it was the British Museum, didn't they? I think so. Okay. That being said, he, he very clearly flew out of New York, so might be a Smithsonian? I'm not sure. It might be. Um, uh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, so... We, we have them sneaking down. So uh, Elsa and Indy go down into the... The mm -hmm. caverns are sneaking around. There's rats. Uh, there's also like n like waist high petroleum, and Indy's like carrying a torch, and I'm like, Indy, do you really want to be carrying fire and a pool of highly flammable? <laughs> I had so many problems with that. <laughs> like the fact that they made if they just found like a light little pool of oil, I think it would have been fine. But the fact that all of this catacomb is just flooded with oil, and then. And then, when they get to the scene where they actually enter the room where the knight is, you can clearly see that the rags that Indy is using as a torch start falling off while still burning. <laughs> and I'm like, you should all be dead. But then I thought to myself, no, no, no. Okay, hold on. 
maybe it's not that flammable. Maybe it takes a bit more than just like a single small flame Aha. to set it off. 30 seconds later. 30 seconds later. <laughs> um, yeah, some guys in fezzies, I believe that's what you call those hats, uh, yep. ch- they knock out Brody up top and they come down and they set fire to the, the thing and mm-hmm. uh, Indy and Elsa like, flip over like, the crypt and hide in the coffin effectively until they can like swim out and try and get out of a out of a drain they, they end up emerging in the middle of like a, an outdoor cafe and all, all the rich mm-hmm. venice people are like ah mamma mia like you know yes uh, mamma mia <laughs> that was in the script <laughs> so they're all all very confused but yeah the the, the found the, the information anyway so that, that and it's and they had um indy take an etching of it like he got yeah. all the text off the shield onto a piece of paper which i feel like should have been damaged in oil but what do i know it's the least of the problems with the believability yeah. of that scene, I think. But um, and this is where we get. So the Fez guys keep chasing them. They we end up in a, mm-hmm. a boat race. Um, Indy steals a boat, and then the, the Fez guys steal like, the other boats that are there. Uh, we get mm-hmm. a pretty fun couple of moments uh, throughout all this chase. Obviously, there's uh, the yelling and the shooting and all the rest of it. But you get uh, she takes their boat in between two giant ships, and yeah. they're closing in together. And the, the the boat that tries to follow them in, obviously, behind gets uh, squished and crushed. But my favorite is the other boat where Indy's trying to interrogate the main Fez guy. And the boat is, like, being, like, basically chewed up by this propeller. And it's sort of... Yeah. It, it's like it's... It's like it's going in a shredder, basically. And you can just sort of mm-hmm. see the wood of the boat starting to, like, you know, get destroyed it's, gradually. It's splintering and yeah. just flipping everywhere. Uh, that's, a, that's a fun fun moment. Uh but yeah. the scene the scene ends though when like Indy's like I don't care about the holy because this guy reveals when he's interrogated that he's the he's part of a secret order. This is very the mummy as well. The mummy took this from oh, this, yeah. right? He's the head. Is it the head? But he's part of a secret order to stop people from looking after the holy grail for the past thousand years. It's been safe and has ordered the Fez people. Uh, mm. They they I think it might have been like something of the sacred cross, but we'll go Fez people. That makes <laughs> just as much sense. The mildly Fezzy, right? Wow, <laughs> mild, mild fez. Uh, mild so, fez, yep. So they go. So basically, he's like, "Yeah, we, we protect the Holy Grail. We stop anyone from getting to it. So you can't go after it." And then he's like, "I don't give a shit about the Holy Grail. I'm just trying yeah. to fight my father back." And he's like, "Oh, in that case, uh, I wish you luck." <laughs> and buttons yeah. up and walks away. Basically, what he's saying is like, if your heart is true and your deeds are noble, then you are okay to search for the Grail and. I guess not being interested in it at all counts as noble and true. Yeah, well, I guess you could also just read it as like, oh, well, once you get your father back, you'll stop looking and just go on yeah. your merry way, which... I do I do also appreciate the idea that this guy knew exactly where Indy's father was, and he's like, oh, it's in a castle in the border of Germany and which... Austria. And then we a... get oh, there... Hold oh, on. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Why does he know where Indy's father is? I assumed that they they caught him, or they at least saw him getting caught, and they like followed him or tracked him to some extent. But at no point in the movie does it give any explicit explicit but, explanation of that. But the the Fez don't have Indy's father. The Nazis have Indy's father. So how do they know? Uh, I, I never yeah. even thought about this until you brought this up but you're right yeah. he's the one that tells them where they're keeping Indy's father and it's not even like it's close by it's literally it's on the German-Austria border it's pretty far mm-hmm. away from Venice that's uh I've looked this up 700 miles which actually by the way this is a bit later but I have to bring this up mm-hmm. now since we brought this up mm-hmm. 
after the whole castle bit where Indy's getting his dad back. I know exactly what you're going to say. Right? They get to a crossroads, and there's a street sign that says, Berlin this way, and Venice that way. What? There is a street sign on Austria that says, this foreign city's this way, and this foreign city's that Surely, surely, if anything, you would just... That's not how street signs work. It's not like... It's not like you. Okay. It's not like you go outside, David, and you see a street sign that's like uh, Toronto that way and uh, Mexico City that way. Now, here's the thing: there are on the major interstates, like the big, big roads across across the entire <laughs> U.S., they do have exit signs that say like Colorado twenty six hundred miles. They yes. do; those do exist. That's a highway, though. That is a that, that is, is a motorway. This is a little yeah. dirt road next to a farm. Yes, and that's why I'm 100% giving you the point there, and because there is no reasonable way. They'd... Also, I mean, also, sen- dirt road yeah. next to a farm, a little wooden sign that's been made out of like two planks of wood. And thirdly, again, I, I can't stress this enough. These mm-hmm. are cities in literally different countries. It's not like, again, the example, right. the highway that you go out on, that you're saying, mm-hmm. oh, there's a, a sign for that state there, there's a sign for that, you know, whatever. You know, hundreds of miles until you know california or whatever yeah. that's all fine but there's not a street saying saying this many miles till vancouver true i mean i'm sure it may exist farther up north but true i will well okay. yeah at the border would you, sure. would you be more okay with it if the signs instead of saying berlin and venice instead said germany and italy would you be more okay with that Maybe like a tiny little fraction of a person, but that still sounds unrealistic. I still don't believe there's a sign, especially in this yeah. location, saying this country's this way and that country's that way. I mean, here's the thing: it's necessary for the plot. We need to show the audience that they are at an actual crossroads of where do we go? Do we go to the place where we think the book is, or do we go to the place I where? I, we... I, no, I disagree. I don't think you do. All you have to have is the like. Have the, the road, like have the crossroads. Their dialogue mm-hmm. explains the choice they're making. It, it, it's yeah, not. No, you're right. You're right. The, the, the signs is just this weird visual like bit no, of punctuation. It, uh, I told you that it's 700 miles. There's a reason I looked it up. It's because <laughs> I agree with you 100%. It is weird that they did this, but they did it. And I think that it's more so I'm, not from a they thought it was actually a good idea it, to have it, and more so <laughs> that it helps the story. It's also like like so specific a, a pair. Like if they actually have street signs that have these two cities on them, shouldn't there be like another hundred pegs on it with all the other major cities within like a several thousand mile radius? What other major cities? There are no other major cities oh, in know. southern you have, mid Europe. You have Venice, but not I don't know Rome. For example, maybe, maybe, never uh, heard of it. Yeah. You know, uh, all they have to do is get on a road. All roads lead to Rome. <laughs> what, what, about, what about Spain? What, what about France? They don't get a, a, a sign here. Not in Axis territory. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not really that big a deal. It's a silly little thing, but yeah. it's one of those silly little details that is so absurdly stupid that i just oh yeah it's it's the same sort of thing of like during the batman 66 of shark repellent like why would he have that and it's Mm. something that you just sit and you think about but in the end it's just because it's goofy and indiana jones has always been a little bit goofy 
this is way goofier than that than Raiders. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, it's, that's what I'm saying. It gets yeah. worse as the series progresses. I'm next, just... next movie, something crazy is going to happen, like swinging with monkeys or something. That's what Thanks for uh, bringing the tone down for the show. <laughs> uh, we're all a little sad now and depressed. So, yeah, so so Indig is after his father and has to mm-hmm. uh, sneak into the castle. He's with Elsa. She's come along. Um, yep. He has his famous slime where he looks down and sees some Nazis. Because up until this point, we've not actually seen any Nazis. Uh, yeah. So he's like, Nazis, I hate these guys. He was a really famous uh, little... It's a gifable moment, shall we say. Mm-hmm. People have seen the gif. But... He goes, he thinks he's found where his father is. He, he sort of uh, climbs in through the window and his father hits some thinking it's like one of the Nazis. Uh, to which Indy rightfully points out, why would they come through the window? Uh, but he's like, ah, quite right. Uh, although, actually, I'm glossing over something we do have to talk about here. Hmm. Uh, so when he comes in, he doesn't actually sneak into the building. He tries to, like, get, you know, get in with a... a, a a charade, uh, shall we say, a character. He tries to. He come. He comes in <laughs> with a perfect. I dare say the best I've ever heard Scottish accent. Uh, so here's the, here's the thing. So obviously he's done a terrible Scottish accent. He puts on like, like she has like a hat on that's like almost mm-hmm. like a, a bonnie hat, like almost, and he's doing this over the top Scottish accent. And it's all very shit and whatever, and I'm using it's meant to be shit. In fact, the, the character even says, "You're not a Scottish bit of royalty." You know, yeah. he, you know, and he has to punch him, right? All it says. Mm-hmm. But given that it's Sean Connery's playing his father, right? Mm-hmm. Is there an implication here that they're acknowledging that his father is Scottish, and therefore Indy comes? Well, not he's, he's not Scottish, but his father's Scottish. Yeah. They're, they're he kind has of Scottish admitting, blood. Yeah, they're they're kind of admitting that because normally when Sean Connery's in something. Despite the fact that he always has a Scottish accent, they'll just mm-hmm. ignore it and pretend he's something else. Like, it's very notorious. So, I thought that was interesting here, that he's maybe kind of doing this because, like, he grew up with his father, I guess? Yeah. I mean, I just looked up. Jones is apparently the 56th most popular surname in Scotland, so it's not, like, weird that they would have been the Joneses from Scotland, but it is... I don't know. It it strikes me as obviously his father grew up in Scotland. We don't get that much from the mother, but I think because of the fact that he was, what would you say, like sixteen, if even during that opening scene. F that, yeah, fourteen, yeah. fifteen. I would have guessed, yeah. Because of that, I think he was raised entirely in America. Which, so. Honestly, given the time period, because that at that time it's nineteen twelve, and when he's a teenager, mm-hmm. like yeah, that was a time of a lot of immigration. Yeah. yeah. It, it when, does... was, when was the uh, Irish famine? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> let, me, let me look that up. That might also work. That was the... Oh, that was the 1840s. So that would have been a bit too far beforehand. But it's possible he came... His father came over during that time as a young kid. So, I don't know. Yeah. Although we should point out here, uh, it's not that exciting a bit of trivia. It's one of the most obvious things that anyone ever says about this movie. But Sean Connery's mm-hmm. only actually twelve years older than Harrison Ford. Oh yeah, <laughs> so worth but just but he just mentioning looks it. older, you know. Yeah, he does. No, he does look a lot older. Uh, so you know, we get them. I mean, the, the running thing with them is that Sean Connery, uh, you know, Henry cares about his work, doesn't really spend much time like bonding with his son. 
Mm-hmm. And there's kind of a running gag almost of like Indy doing something kind of cool or badass or like really impressive. And Sean Connery just not really reacting to it and just kind of like he'll react a little bit the first time and then from yeah. there he just like he goes out of his way to be like i'm not impressed <laughs> can i i feel like sean connery's character who by the way just to give him a name here is professor henry jones He's henry yeah he is the only person who i feel reacts to the fact that indiana jones as an archaeologist murders as much as he does oh, no, he, yeah because the first time obviously when the nazis come in the door and like indy punches him and grabs the tommy gun and just shoots them all he's like yeah you just killed three people yeah what the hell <laughs> and he's like this isn't even my busiest day like i just you know this is a tuesday yeah well that was the thing was uh the, the, in the first like classroom scene uh and he's given a speech about how archaeology is mostly in the library it's mostly with books x never marks the spot and of course later on literally an x does mark the spot <laughs> oh yeah as he's, soon as he said it i made the remark yeah. i'm gonna guess that x is gonna mark the spot at some point so he actually just is lying to his students like he, oh absolutely like he's living the exact life they all think an archaeologist is in their wildest dreams and he's lying to them like some sort of i don't know look in order for Indiana Jones to exist, there has to be fewer people who want to be Indiana Jones. <laughs> is that as soon as everybody's a grave robber, he misses out on a bunch of fines. He's not ready to pass the torch yet, so he's he's going to yeah. wait another couple of decades before he's willing to, like, okay, for reals, this year I'm going to teach the truth. <laughs> yep. Now, now you've all got a chance to be in future me. Congratulations. He looks around the classroom and he says, how many of you are willing to murder in order to <laughs> get, bring home something for a museum? Oh dear. So, yeah, uh, they end up getting uh, nabbed here, though, because Elsa, would you believe it, turns out to be a filthy Nazi. Which, immediately before it's revealed, Sean Connery is like, she's a Nazi. Yeah, don't, don't trust, trust her. her. Yeah. yeah. And Indiana just basically says, like, no, I slept with this woman. I trust her. Oops. No, they got interrupted, did they not? No, they they... Went into it with the, uh, remember he, he was making out with her and she's like, you better slow down. I don't like fast women. And then he just keeps making out with her. Yeah. But then they get interrupted. It cuts back to them. And there's like, uh, there's like a noise. I'm sure they get interrupted. No, they go through with it. It's a slow fade and everything. Okay. Okay. Just... Because later on they make the remark of, uh, him say, like he, the dad's like, oh yeah, well, I can't believe you trusted that woman. I've. And then he's like, you slept with her too. Like, he th- says how they basically both slept with the same woman. Oh, no, I mean, they definitely, obviously, were both involved, but mm-hmm. none of the dialogue ever necessarily said to me that they actually slept together. Like, it definitely said like Sean Connery did, because he, he, yeah. he, he talks about how he knew she was a Nazi because she talked in her sleep. That, that's that's right. how he found out she was a Nazi. Well, well is she in her sleep going, Hail Heather. Probably. <laughs> oh, Can funny. you just imagine like that really angry sounding German though coming out of someone who's asleep? <laughs> just Zeins it fight and fun. I do uh I do so it's a little bit silly. Uh but I do actually really like so when they're tied together and they're trying to get out and Sean Connery accidentally drops the lighter and sets mm. fire to the, the place. And they're sort of, you know, they're sort of 
nudging around on these two chairs that are tied t- together. They're back to back. And they end up in the fireplace and Indy's trying to, like, uh, you know, cut the rope with the, the fire poke or whatever it is. But he ends up hitting mm-hmm. a mechanism which spins the fireplace around into a secret, like, Nazi operating center. And no one notices him the first time, but it's just this, like, funny, like, visual of them spinning around, noticing all these Nazis, and then spinning all the way back around again into the other room. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, they hit it a couple more times when he's trying to cut the rope, and eventually they notice them and they start shooting at them. Like, th- this was a, a fun little bit because they set it up and then they started using it to great effect. The, I think yeah. the one that felt sillier to me is a couple of minutes later, when Sean Connery sits in another chair and it, like, reveals, like, a secret staircase. I'm right. like, okay, how many secret contraptions are in this place? I'll tell you what, man, Nazis love their secret contraptions, but yeah, no, with what you're saying on the first one, I agree that it may be zany, it may be, like, hijinksy. I mean, it's, again, it's a rotating fireplace. It feels right out of Scooby-Doo. But it's fun. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't overplay. It doesn't stay too long. It does what it needs to do for the scene. And it's even clever with it sometimes, where there's one point where, like, Sean Connery's trapped on one side, Indiana Jones stuck on the other side. He punches out a guard, and you just see, like, the guard only come back, and yeah, then yeah. Sean and Indy stay on the other side. I think that that was cleverly done. It was a well-planned-out fight scene using this as the centerpiece of it. But then, like you said, later on, it's just a random chair that he chooses to lean back on, and that feels less useful. That feels less important to the plot, and so it does just feel more hijinksy. Yeah. So they end up they're going to go in boats again, but and he's like, "Now nah, screw that. Uh, we're, I'm going to like set the boat off so they think we've been on a boat." Which honestly ends up not feeling like it has much of a purpose because he rides the motorbike nah. right in front of them, so they all chase him anyway. But, you know, whatever. Also, I mean, the boat wasn't even that far away. He, they could easily just look at the boat and be like, there's nobody driving that boat. <laughs> so, yeah. But then this is where they get to the crossroads after they escape the, the Nazis and mm-hmm. uh, make their Which choice. Which I do think this was a decent chase scene. It's the first one that we've had just entirely on motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And I think it was pretty well done, all things considered. That being said, again... Indy really likes just murdering people <laughs> because there's no one in this scene that just survives. Nope. Nope, that's true. Uh, we have flips. We have going down off sides of mountains slash cliffs or whatever it is. Yep. You know, we, we got all sorts of shenanigans. Um, so Indy's father is like, we have to go to Berlin and get my, uh, my notebook back that they've stolen from us. Uh, mm. because it's got all the clues to how we actually do the trials. Because when you go to the Holy Grail, there's going to be three tests, and they're all deadly traps. We need my notes. <laughs> and yep. he's like, you didn't remember memorize them? No, I wrote them down, so I wouldn't have to. So, this... I mean, it's reasonable, but at the same time, if this is the final task, maybe remember a few of them. Yeah. Uh, luckily, that, you know, it's uh, John Reese Davis's character from the first movie, Salah, actually meets up with Brody and helps him out uh, mm-hmm. you know, elsewhere. So that's all fine. So they go to Germany, which I, I will say, like, and this isn't much of a complaint because, again, it's a fairly lighthearted adventure movie. You just sort of might go with the flow. It's fine. But mm. I do feel like they're, they're within, like, 100 feet from Hitler. We just cut to them being there, and, like, Harrison Ford's already, like, stolen a, a uniform, and, yep. like, Sean Corey's walking alongside him. I'm like, I feel like Nazi Germany in 1938 might have been tougher to, like, get into and, like, I don't know. Not if you're Indiana Jones. Apparently not. It's just the way it just cuts to him already being here. But damn, this was this was easy. Apparently, yeah. 
Uh, he has he has guards outfit and he just makes his way right behind where Hitler's standing. So yeah, we we see people burning in books. We see the you know, the parade, the marching in the streets, all that stuff. Uh, yeah. All capped off with uh, Indy bumping into Hitler and Hitler taking the book. But he, because he was signing autographs, he thinks it's just an autograph he wants, and he signs yep. his name in the in the journal. Which I I think is a fun little moment. I don't think that it's too wacky crazy or anything like that but it is also one of the, I, that felt more to me like the moment that they said you know what if indy's gonna go up against the nazis like over and over again he should at least meet hitler once you know and they just wanted to have that in this film before they wrapped up the trilogy it didn't make a lot of sense that it happened but if they're gonna do it i think they did it well enough yeah, I think the only critique I might give it, just of a sort of more, a sort of more macro level rather than mm. like the individual moment, is that Hitler's the one secretly like wanting all this stuff to be found, right? Because he's obviously mm-hmm. the head of the Nazis. He's the one up, up the top of the food chain saying he wants the Holy Grail. I think it's it's interesting to have him here for a little joke, but never like have like a scene where we see him, like, I don't know, like. W- like I get, if you, you know, Raiders was fine. We just never see him. Like he's just, he's just this yeah. like you know force that we understand he exists, right? We all know who Hitler is. He's this like force at the top of the the the, the pyramid, whatever. Mm-hmm. Here though, you have him for this little moment, but you don't use him in a, a capacity where we see that he cares about anything that's going on or wants anything. You know, yeah. and I'm not saying that he like he used to like realize this is the book or know who Indy is, but just something where we see him talk to Elsa or whoever else he's got the other main nazi that's kind of like in the action scenes later like just mm-hmm. turn and like sort of speak to him i you know i really want the 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 ark yeah my fear you know all that shit like yeah. just mm-hmm. have a little bit where it's like he acknowledges that he's involved in the plot <laughs> kind of yeah. that makes sense i mean i get it but at the same time i think i'm more grateful that they didn't make hitler an actual character oh the know? villain yeah yeah yeah, because obviously we want the villain to be Donovan, uh, Elsa, and... Vogel. That's his name, Vogel? Yeah. Yeah, which I think we should also mention um, during the castle scene is where Donovan was revealed to be allied oh, yeah. with the Nazis. Yeah, he shows up and da-da-da, he's evil. <laughs> yeah, who would have thought? Yeah, it was, it was a shocking surprise. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so... The, the bigger task is getting out of uh, Germany, though. Uh, mm-hmm. Indy does run to Elsa because he gets the book off her, uh, holds her at gunpoint. And she, I thought it was interesting here, she tries to like have a like a little bit of like a sympathetic side where she's like, I care that they're burning books. I don't like that they're burning books. So I care about the, the sanctity of archaeology and preservation. I don't care. <laughs> Like, that, is, that is a fair response. You're yeah. still with the Nazis. Like, I understand they want to play up this mild sympathetic beat because for the rest of the movie, they still want us to pretend that there can be something between Indy and her because she is still the love interest, even after this point. But it's... I, for me personally, I don't care because she's still able to just walk freely in the back of this Nazi march like she's clearly high ranking i don't like her as a person after that yeah as high ranking as a woman can be in nazi germany i suppose yeah um so yeah so the 
Indy gets the first tickets he can out of Germany. And I feel mm. like that's the sort of thing that in Nazi Germany they were probably keeping a close eye on is anyone trying to leave the country because they were very strict about, you know, controlling everything. You know, Nazi yeah. Germany. The, the control freaks would maybe the best, probably the kindest way you could put it. I mean, the fact that they weren't Jewish, because I am, I did a little bit of research here, and apparently 1938 was the year that, like, it really got bad for the Jewish population mm. in Germany. Uh, but the fact they aren't Jewish probably means they were able to come and go as just normal citizens. Yeah, but there's a bit of a reveal, though, that we're going to be a, a Zeppelin. So we get mm -hmm. them, like, sneaking about there. There's, there's a gag here where Vogel, like, races on here and starts looking. He's, like, he's showing the photo of, like, Henry. He's like, hey, have you seen this man? Blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And Indy has, like, stolen a uniform from one of the, the employees on the Zeppelin. And yep. he comes up and he ends up punching Vogel and throws him out the window. They're not, they're not flying yet. This is just it's already all the luggage, right? So, it's, yeah. but, it, but it's a good fifteen feet or something like that. You know, it's a. Which can I can I just point out real quick? Yes. Vogel's thrown off and lands in the luggage. Uh huh. The zeppelin takes off, so he is unable to get back on. Why is there luggage not on the zeppelin? That's, that's a very good point. Um. <laughs> But there is a there is a comic gag here where he turns to the crowd who are all just looking in shock, and he's like, "No ticket!" And then they all whip out their tickets in fear that they're going to get thrown out the window. Which, yeah, I swear I've seen that somewhere else. Is this the only place where that showed up? Because I swear I remember it from somewhere else. It wouldn't surprise me if it's reused somewhere, but I'm going to see if I can find it. It's bothering me. <laughs> Uh, it's a decent little gag, though. Uh, they, of course, though, as you'd expect, Vogel's probably called, you know, air traffic control, mm -hmm. and they've uh, told the pilot to turn around. So we get well, no. He specifically says that they disabled the radio on the Zeppelin, and they just realized, like, oh, we're not able to contact anybody. We should go oh, okay, back. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Uh, but anyway, they're turning around. So Indian uh, Henry have to like get off. So they try and steal the little biplane at the bottom of the Zeppelin. Mm. Um, and we get a, a pretty extensive, like, fun sequence here where some planes come after them, and yep. uh, you know, there's some chasing and all that stuff. Uh, the highlight being towards the end where they're going through a tunnel, uh, and like they're in a car by this point, Indy and Henry, but there's a pilot whose wings have come off, like, sliding on the ground going past them. This was like some Jack Ryan stuff <laughs> going on here, man. This was... Full-on crazy military crap where there's no way anybody involved in the situation should still be alive, and yet here we are. Yeah. I mean, the action's gotten more extravagant. I mean, the fact that we've even mm. got a Zeppelin is, is just, yeah. you know. Imagine watching Raiders and say, oh, by the way, the next one's going to have a Zeppelin in it. <laughs> I mean, I could see it. Ha At least they aren't. That's the thing. At least they aren't doing that thing that we complain about where they just make up the fact that tech exists sure like there's no point in this where all of a sudden indy whips out gps and it's like okay but how hey if that was a plot beat that revealed that there was some time travel going on or something like it, it could be tantalizing you you just wait i'm still convinced that dial of destiny is going to have something where like they influence the events of the previous three or the oh. original trilogy oh i am predicting that now Indy's hat was in the Ark of the Covenant all along from the future. Yep, there you go. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, yeah, and obviously, 
uh, at this point, like all the villains are gearing up to go and find uh, the Ark. Uh, they're going through the desert. Our main characters are going, which you know includes like so we've got Brody and Salah along for this trip as well. So we've got everyone making this trip, mm-hmm. and the big set piece comes like basically like some of the villains like separate. So so Donovan and Elsa and some goons like go ahead and get to like the the temple or whatever it is first. Mm-hmm. Whereas the others, Vogel the Nazi. Um, we have a big set piece with a tank, right? Where, you know, there's, there's a bit of action and then Henry's taken captive inside the tank. So there's a lot of action where Indy... And this is the... I think this is the best action scene of the whole movie. Yeah, is, I mean, it, it's definitely the biggest one. Yeah, Indy's, like, on top of the tank and he's trying... Well, he's riding alongside in the horse at first. He, he puts a rock in, like, one of the, the gun barrels so when the guy mm-hmm. tries to fire it, it just blows up in his face. Um, And he's on top. And I think I enjoyed some of the stuff where... At certain points, because it's a tank with the, obviously the, the treads, you know, the track treads. Yeah. Uh, where, like, Indy, and then later on, actually, when Henry's on top as well, he ends up falling on it and he starts, like, going backwards on the tracks. And it's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's a lot of fun it, use of everything this tank has to offer in this scene. Yeah. It goes back to the, uh, the conveyor belt from Temple of Doom leading mm. into the rock crusher like you're allowed to ride this tread right up until you fall off and then you die yes yes then you'll be crushed by the tank because it'll go yes. over you um so uh fun stuff uh, it's got a big silly ending where like you mm-hmm. know vogel's in the, the he's just his head sticking out the tank as it's fallen down the edge of the cliff yeah and, he and screams. they think indiana went down with it they, yes and they do this and yeah, they play this for a surprising amount of comedy where Indy like climbs up a little bit away from them and then comes over and looks over the edge to see what they're all looking at. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, then they notice him. But it has an important plot beat though for Indy and his father because Indy's father actually like feels sad that he thinks his son's dead, of course. Yeah. And regrets that he never really like told him anything or taught him anything. Which play- plays in a scene that they had in the Zeppelin where Indy mm-hmm. complains that they never had like, you know, growing up with him was tough because he never acted like a father. And Sean Connery gets all like, oh, okay, I'm here now. What do you want to talk about? And Indy's like, I don't know. And he's like, well, what are you complaining about then? So he's very dismissive. Let's talk about the grail. He's very dismissive. I... And this scene is him like realizing, oh, shit, I actually care about my son. I wish I'd done more or said more. And Yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's setting stuff up for our final you know, emotional beats. Yeah, I do. On that Zeppelin scene, though, I do think that that, was probably the best insight into Sean Connery's character in that he didn't, you know, own up to being a bad dad or anything like that. He had the justification of, I was teaching you to be self-reliant. That Mm. was his justification of why I wasn't there, why I didn't help you through life more or less. And I get it. I see the point of it because obviously Indiana Jones is able to handle literally anything that's thrown at him because of this upbringing. But it does still make him a bad dad, you know? So I can see they did a good job character perspective wise of like, what are you complaining about? You're a successful professor and like have all of these adventures. Why, like, why are you upset that I did something wrong when clearly you were raised perfectly fine? But of course, Indiana just wanted his dad. Yeah. And that plays into, of course, him constantly doing impressive stuff. And then Sean Connery reacting like he is not impressed. You know, like mm-hmm. it plays into that. Like he's he's seeking this, you know, admiration from his father. His his approval, his uh, yeah. respect. Um, and obviously by the end he's going to have it because of course. And it also talks about you know they mentioned the mother like passed away 
mm-hmm. know, when he was younger. And that's something that they, they both missed, obviously. It's part of why their relationship is this way. Uh, but also, I think for Indy specifically, because he's never really talked about his parents before this movie. Yeah. It does kind of like paint this idea of like, you know, maybe why he is the way he is with women to an extent. Like he didn't have that oh, mother yeah. figure his, his whole mm-hmm. life. Um, as soon as as soon as they said like his mom wasn't there and his dad was just distant, it makes absolute sense why he just womanizes everybody he comes across because he's just looking for that affection wherever he can get it. Yeah, what's that lady has when he meets Elsa at the start of this? Where she's because like, she's you know has obviously he's like oh you, yeah you have your father's eyes or something. He's like well, yeah the eyes belong to him but the rest is all yours. Yes, <laughs> like he's immediately turning on the charm up to like twelve. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah, the the big thing at the end, though, is that uh, Donovan, that dirty scoundrel, shoots Sean Connery in the stomach. And it's like, well, now you have to go and find the grill for us because it's the only thing that will save him. And right before this as well, they sent in, like, a red shirt to try and get the grill. Mm -hmm. And he gets decapitated. You don't see exactly what decapitates him. You see the head come rolling out. And they're like, shit, Indy, you're getting in there (laughs) to get my grill. Uh, So... So this is where the Grail notebook comes into play with the three trials. And the Grail says, like, oh, the first test is the breath of God and only the penitent man must pass. And then the second test is whatever, whatever. But the point is, is that they don't explicitly say, here's what the test is and here's how to solve it. There's a level of... This is where the big buzzsaw comes out and you have to, like, roll and duck and dive and whatever. Which, right. but Indy, of course, is very good at these sort of things, so they're going to make mm-hmm. him do it. Um, and it is worth mentioning as well that, uh, like the at one point, the Nazis were attacked by the the odd the Fez, right? The Fez show mm-hmm. up and uh, start fighting them, but they all get killed. Like the Nazis actually win the fight, but the one that we met earlier, like as he's dying, kind of like you know, like ask mm-hmm. Cindy or whatever, like you know. To, to, to you know just protect the art uh, protect the uh the cup protect the, the yeah. grail blah 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 um so yeah but Andy goes through these trials he, he, he ducks and dives some blades and then the next one's just your you know, your typical stepping stone thing where some of the stones will fall and you'll fall to your death yeah uh, yes it's definitely the right ones that may be my favorite puzzle out of just the entire indie franchise i think that that is because it's it's the sort of thing that like i said the audience can follow along with because they explicitly say you only knowing the name of God can cross or something like that. And they just show all these letters on these tiles. So you have to step in the way that spells out Jehovah. But then they added in the twist that in Latin, you spell Jehovah with an I instead. So he steps on the letter J, he falls through, and then he makes the same realization that his dad was making. Yeah, I was very, I was very confused because when they said you have to step in the name of God to get across, I thought they were going to do B and then U and then S and then E and then Y. Yeah, but, but that's <laughs> not how you spell Brams. <laughs> Gary Busey is the only, <laughs> he's the only being that I'm confused by his existence and power that he must be the divinity in some way. of Busey. Yes, because God, God's not inherently a good thing, and I think Busey is that level of chaos that's, uh, uh, you know, so. I would love to see the pantheon you could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then the next one is like just taking a leap of faith, and it's, it's this like optical illusion, effectively, where there's a bridge that's actually, you, know, it, it, you, you can't see it, but it looks mm-hmm. like it's, it's just going to fall to your death, 
but then when the camera you know once he steps out and it looks like he's walking on thin air the camera yeah. changes its angle and you can see that oh no no there's actually a, a walkway there it's just right so this is the only one i just had major problems with mm-hmm. in that like sure from the camera's perspective and we can infer from indy's perspective it looks like there's nothing there because it blends right in if you just moved your head an inch to the left or an yes. inch to the right or were an inch shorter or an inch taller this wouldn't work so i feel like the entire thing could have been better if it were just pitch black and like you couldn't see uh, anything period and you had to make a leap of faith but they went with this and i get it from a visual standpoint pitch black is nowhere near as interesting but it's it doesn't work as soon as you put even the smallest bit of thought into it yeah i did like that he like throws dirt on it when he gets to the other side so he can see it clearly uh-huh yeah yeah um although i do think he could have easily because obviously donovan and uh elsa are following in afterwards yeah and just imitating his steps i do feel like that would have been the best way where he could have been like up oh, figure it out screw you guys yeah instead he left them a trail but of course he gets to the the room you know the, the grail room and there's mm-hmm. a knight there so it's the third brother the one who never left uh is yep. still here presumably kept alive all this time because of the holy grail uh, he gets thirsty yeah um so basically he's like oh you have to pick the right cup because there's you know there's a bunch of cups in here and mm-hmm. Darwin comes in with a gun in his hand he's like aha no 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 mine 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 i'm gonna do it uh so what's funny is that i know we just had a beheading but by and large i felt like this one was definitely playing it a lot more safe with the the pg-13 you know it was, <laughs> you know, it was definitely a lot more toned down but the one yeah. big moment, of course, is when he drinks from the wrong cup and he ages and we get this great, like, practical stop motion, like, mm-hmm. puppet effect, whatever it is, where he ages to the point where he turns into a skeleton. And there are a couple of cuts, but there's long stretches of seeing him transformed. So you feel mm-hmm. like you're seeing it properly. And then eventually uh, he smashes against the wall when Indy pushes him away. It's yeah. uh I, th- I thought effect. they were going to keep doing that cut thing, like you were saying, where it's like every time we cut back to him, he's just a little bit older until eventually mm-hmm. he just is a skeleton and we just see him drop dead. But no, they, they did that whole long sequence where he's grabbed hold of Elsa and he's just aging in stop motion. And it looks good. I, I'm trying to think if there's anything from Temple of Doom that was like more than that. And I don't think there really was. I think that this probably is like the standout this is going back to that moment in raiders where the they melting. opened up the ark and then yeah. everyone melts yeah yeah this is very much this movie's version of that uh mm-hmm. but they both look good and they're both rememberable and distinct i mean temple has the heart rip out but i think that's a little bit different because it's like one it's, it's got that magic i mean these are both kind of magical too but yeah like the the, the, the magic hole opening so the heart can be taken out does make it feel a bit hokier i think whereas mm-hmm. these both like go they just they keep going until they're so absurdly disgusting that they they, yeah. they work it's it's the problem of with the magic heart opening hole you don't have any frame of reference for that as just a normal person like mm. you don't understand is that painful does he feel that how like what's going on there with the raiders and the this one you get your skin melts off man there's no world where that feels good not to mention temple of doom had the guy just kind of take it in raiders in this they're screaming they're oh, yeah. yelling they are in pain 
Yeah, makes it way more horrifying. And maybe it is just as simple mm-hmm. as yeah, they're screaming in pain, and that's all it makes. That's all you need to make it sell yeah. it. Uh, but uh, yeah, so obviously he gets the cup. Uh, he figures out the right one because he's like, well, Jesus was a carpenter, so the wooden mm-hmm. one. And sure enough, uh, he's right. So he takes that back to save his dad. It does, and then Elsa uh, carries it over the threshold, which the knight warned them not to do mm. and sure enough the entire place starts to crumble and implode because she's overstepped but there's an important bit here where she falls to her death in this crevice mm-hmm. and indy still try to reach the cup and it's actually his father who says let it go okay so just just to really frame that sequence though grounds opening up elsa falls down yes indy has her hand and she's still trying to reach the cup and he's like no just let it go i can't hold you with just your one gloved hand here, and eventually the glove comes off, she falls to her death. Because of that, Indy falls into the crevice, his dad grabs his hand, and then Indy also tries to get the cup. Which, that's the part that I was a bit unclear on, because he was just telling Elsa, leave it or you'll die, and then when he's in the same situation, he's like, but I mean, it's right there. I think it's right there. I think the idea they're playing with maybe is the temptation of it because it's, you know, this mystical... Yeah. It's having an effect on him kind of thing. Uh, but it's a big character beat for his father to say, no, leave it. It's not mm. important. Like, we're important. You're important. Because this whole thing, his whole, this whole movie, is that he ignored his son because he was obsessed with fighting yeah. the grail. So for him to say, no, leave it, it's more important that we both live or that you live, is mm. like, yeah, that's the end of the arc of the movie. It's the, it's the you know, yeah. the, the actual and story... That's- that's the up. moment that I was hinting to at the very beginning of this that I felt was just a really well done moment in terms of character. Yeah, in no, that's good. they set up this whole thing and it pays off in the perfect way of this was his man, this man's obsession for his entire life. And it's only now that he finally is able to theoretically get it that he says, nah, it ain't worth it. Yeah, yeah. So it's a meaningful moment. It makes a story between the two of them work. It, it, which mm-hmm. makes the movie as a whole work. So on top of the fun set pieces, even though they have the sillier edges at points, uh, it's got good set pieces with a lot of practical mm-hmm. effects. There's, 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 you know, there's still rear screen moments. There's still like other yeah. types of effects. But there's a lot... Like it's, it's not as good as Raiders in that effect, that sense, but it's much better mm-hmm. than Temple, I think. Um, although the, the main car chase is very good. Like you know, It's one of the you yeah. know, standout scenes from that movie. I mean, I would say that this movie doesn't have as much action as temple of doom but i do think that the points where it has action it's more intense i actually think it's about the same amount of action it just feels like there's less because there's more story in between the action scenes that's fair yeah i mean this is an extra 15 minutes longer than yeah. temple was and so. there's a lot more context for the plot there's a, and the plot's a lot more you know mm. <laughs> it actually yeah. has more of a, 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 a plot plot as opposed to just they stumbled into this and now this is the plot of the movie like, oh, I guess that's what my Saturday is going to be spent yeah. doing alright but well. you, know, you can tell this was ca- kind of envisioned as the last one because they literally raid into the sunset at the end yeah well Steven Spielberg apparently had a three picture deal with Lucasfilm mm. so he was like alright this is it this is me wrapping up the contract yeah it did well so, I, I remember 1989 I mean, I don't remember. I was, I was, I was literally just born at the time. Yep. But you know, whenever I hear people talking about this time period, like 1989, and uh, was like the biggest summer for movies in a long time. It was it kind of like escalated because Batman came out that year, Lethal Weapon Two was a big hit that year, and then mm-hmm. Last Crusade. And it, it was, I don't know if it was the first time there was multiple blockbuster tent poles in one year. Obviously, now it's like we get it every year. 
But, yeah. you know, Spielberg kind of started the blockbuster craze with Jaws in 75. This is 14 mm-hmm. years later. And now they're at the point now where people are expecting three or four big movies every summer. And now, you know, like that would just obviously just keep going up. And now, now, now all years is blockbuster season. Like there's no yeah. off season pretty much at this point. It's, but. it's like two weeks in February. That's about the only time <laughs> you don't get a blockbuster. Yeah. yeah, I did look up real quick. You were actually like two weeks old when this movie came out. It was May 24th, 18 or 1989. Yep, yeah, I was two weeks old. There you go. Yep. And I yep. was just a gleam in my mother's eye. <laughs> um, your mother's or your father's eye? Not both. <laughs> no, it's. I mean, it's a really solid sequel, and I, I think mm-hmm. it it plays on everything you like about Raiders, and it uses it to a reasonably well extent. You know, it's a mm-hmm. little bit zanier, like you said. Uh, you know, I, I would have used the word maybe sillier in places. But I don't think it's ever as silly as Temple was. It feels a bit more reined in. And at least when it is sillier, it tends to come from a more natural chemistry between Ford and Connery. Yeah. As opposed a- to, you know, like the fish out of water stuff with Willie in the last movie or whatever. Because don't get me wrong, there's some outrageous action in this. The fact that they even had the idea, let's do a Zeppelin scene, is a yeah. little outrageous. But at least when they're jumping from the Zeppelin, they're in a plane. They're not in <laughs> right. like an inflatable See- life raft. See, for me, what it is, is that I do think that this movie, if we're using the zaniness scale here, I do think that it is, as a whole, less zany than Temple of Doom. But I do think that when it gets zany, it has higher peaks of zaniness. Okay. Mainly because of Brody. It feels like every scene he's in, he's just Mr. Magooing it. No, I agree. There's a lot of awkward comedy with him. And one or two bits, like we said, that ironic cut to him being useless Mm -hmm. is a little bit funny. But... Oh, yeah. I would agree that like he could have just not came. Like, just having him there to set up the plot, and then, much like the first movie, just have him there at the start. But I guess mm-hmm. they wanted to include him a bit more, A, to have the comedy, B, so that they could have this send-off where all of the characters are riding into the sunset at the end. Yeah. Um. So. I it, do want to ask, though, before we get too much in the end, the actual, actual final scene of this movie is the reveal of how he got the name Indiana. Oh, before the raid off, yes. Um, yes. Because it, obviously, one of the other running things of the movie is that Henry keeps calling him Junior, which you know, which Indy keeps saying, "Don't call me that. I hate that name." Um, and you know, what Salah I think says, "Why do you keep mm-hmm. calling him Junior?" He's like, "Because well, that's his name. He's Henry Junior." And he's like, "What about Indiana?" And he's like, "That's what I named the dog." <laughs> yep. And he's like, you, "So you you took your own name from your dog?" <laughs> he's like, "I like that dog." Um. So I guess my question is, with how much we were talking about the beginning of the movie going into all the things that made Indiana, Indiana, Mm -hmm. are you okay with this being revealed at the end of this and making it something as simple as he got it from the dog? Um, that's one doesn't bother me that much because it's not, it's not done in the flashback right it's it's you yeah. know it's you know the, his friend still calls him indy in the flashback so so he was already using that name that's mm-hmm. already what you want people to call him clearly um but like this isn't a big deal to me especially since that it's like all throughout the film he keeps calling him junior and you're like but your name is not indiana so how is he junior so mm-hmm. the, the, they've seen it throughout the film and it's just kind of a silly thing where he picked indiana that this is like what would be way worse to me is if in the flashback scene he like says he hates his name and then he looks up and sees a map of indiana and goes yeah like that's the, that's the sort of moment that would make me like just 
like vomit with <laughs> disgust. Yeah, I get it. It's it's the solo moment. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah. Hearing I mean, it in hearing it in hindsight, when it's already an established thing to these characters, but they kind of bring it up because it's like a natural bit of the conversation. That will mostly be always be okay, just because it it's it's not a big deal. It's not presented as a big moment. The problem is, is that things like this is why I'm going to call you Han Solo from the Solo movie. It's like they're going for the dun dun dun, and this is how he got the name. Swelling music. It's a big, you know, it's a big beat where you know. And but that's the thing. This movie is guilty of that just for other things. It's guilty of that mm-hmm. for this is how he gets the whip the first time. This is right. how he gets the hat. This is how like all these things. This is how he gets scared of snakes. That stuff is way more egregious. And don't get me wrong, this is from a time period where it was much less done, so I'm sure it's not that big a deal as a whole. And because indie mm. is a pulpier franchise, you get away with it a bit more than a more straight-laced, you know, oh, yeah. serious set of characters. I, I, you know, I will acknowledge that. But mm. at this point, I'm so sick of these types of things and uh, prequels and, and things like that that I've just, oh, like, yeah. you know. The um, soft reboots and all that. Yeah, or even just reading comics and like how often they'll do like oh let's go back to the past and show how. Did you know that when Batman was in that alley, there were actually seventy five other people? In <laughs> That's that what it feels like him? sometimes. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, last on a Krypton, except those other eighty five people who also left Krypton at the same in, time. In fairness, they tried to fix that with Crisis. They tried to make it so he was the only Kryptonian left, and then they realized, okay, but like, we need other ones. Yeah, and I'm I'm okay with Supergirl. Like I'm I'm perfectly okay with Supergirl, but yeah, there's just so many Kryptonians that keep popping up. It's it's just yeah. <laughs> it's just nuts. Um, so yeah, but hey, uh, like it's a really solid sequel. It's fun. It's mm-hmm. got the adventure bits down. The puzzles are more fun. Um, it's easy to hate the Nazis, of course. Uh, the tank scene yeah. is a good, good bit of fun. The Zeppelin, as silly as the idea is, is also a fun time. And more than anything else, it nails the character story for Indy and his father and their mm. journey by the end. So it's good. It's a good sequel. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said there. I do, like I said at the beginning, think that this is the most cohesive plot. I feel that every beat mm. clearly led into the next one. It never felt like there was just, oh, we have to do this thing now. Like, I think if this were written in the same style as Raiders or Temple, it would be they get out of the castle and then they're just going to Berlin. They don't explain why they're going to Berlin. They just end up in Berlin. Whereas this scene took the time to not only explain why they are going to Berlin, but they also took that time to have the character moment of explaining like, here's why, here's what's in the if notebook. Anything, here's what it, happened to the mother. They took it too far with that stupid scene. Yes, true. <laughs> But I'll but, blame yeah. the set decorator for that more so than the does like script. There's like five close-ups of it. Like Spielberg, like is like he cannot say he he cannot say. Oh no, I, I'm not accountable for this. No, no, no. You put it in the movie. Multiple shots. Like this I, is on I'm, you. I'm saying it might not be in the script. Okay. Once it gets to this thing, yeah, fair enough. But I, I may not be in the script. So <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, like you said, it's a it's a solid sequel. It's a good follow up. I. I can't really see the side of people who think that Lost Temple is better than this. Like, even if they... Lost Temple? Yes, the Lost Temple. And the last... The Temple of Lost. Yes, all of those. You know what I mean. (laughs) The Temple of Doom. Um, I, I can't see any 
point where they were going to be saying that this is better. Clearly, some people do, but I, I just can't get in that mindset. This but is just clearly better. When they reboot Indiana Jones, they're going to call it Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Last Temple. That's that's yep. what they're going to call it. The Raiders of the Last Doom. The Crystal Raiders of the Last Doom. Oh, you think they're going to include Crystal Skull in this as well? Okay, okay. I mean, they got to call back to everything. See, that's the thing. It's a rolling window of nostalgia. Okay. So by the time they reboot it, people are going to be nostalgic for the Crystal Skull film. Uh, well, okay, sure. Yeah. P- people who belong in an asylum, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, okay. I-, I guess we're at the point where we're going to rate uh, Last Crusade. Sure. Um, but clearly, it, you know, it, is, it is a really strong sequel. It's a mm-hmm. fun time. Um, it's not as iconic or as important as Raiders is, but yeah, really good. So yeah, uh, I mean, just based off everything we've already said, I don't feel like I really need to explain it that much more. I'll mm-hmm. just go ahead and say I'll give it an eight. It is way above Temple, not quite as good as Raiders, obviously, but still very solid film. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to go just a smidge lower at a seven point five. I think in mm-hmm. the past when I was younger, I probably would have just thrown it an eight. I, I think. As I'm watching it now, like I'm really enjoying it. I'm having a fun time. Uh, but I wouldn't quite say it's a great movie. I think it's good. I think it's really good. Mm-hmm. But it, it to me is where it crosses into great territory. And I don't necessarily think I can quite give it that. But it is a really good sequel. And is well worth watching if you like Raiders. And, uh, you know, let's face it, most people just watch the whole series anyway. But, oh, yeah. Um, but, I, I, you know, it's, it's really good stuff. So uh, mm-hmm. well worth uh, your time and much better than Temple of Doom. Uh, haters don't at me <laughs> no so. at me it's good for engagement everyone <laughs> at so I guess the question is though does it make the cut um this is interesting this is a, this is an interesting placement for this one because mm-hmm. obviously we're saying it's good right and I guess yep. this is where we kind of fundamentally get to the thing where is it being good like all it, it requires to, to get in like to make the cut, right? Because there's an argument, and the same way, this is kind of the flip of it, but in the same way that, you know, when time does its person of the year, it's not necessarily yeah. because of, for good reasons, right? And likewise, we've put a couple of, you know, films on extra reels, like, way into the yeah. cut. <laughs> because oh, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're, they're worthy of it. So I guess what I'm saying is, is, is there a possibility here where something that rates about here, you're in the sort of sevens to eights range, mm-hmm. where we're saying, it's good, but... Is it notable? See, it- <laughs> for me, for me, I always think of it in terms of an actual collection of mm-hmm. if I am getting this film, do I think it is worth having in a permanent media? Like I am, I want to be able to say I have this for the rest of my life. What did we give uh, Raiders? Raiders, we put above. Raiders yeah. was a cut above. That's fine. I think I think this one makes the cut. I don't think it... I was already kind of borderline with giving Temple of Doom uh, cut from the collection. I think it may have squeaked out a three, but you were very dead set on two, and I wasn't going to argue that point. Whoa, whoa, whoa. don't confuse this with giving them numbers, right? We've already got a numerical 10 Sorry, yeah. Scale. I just... I have to put in numbers on the spreadsheet to make this all work, you, so... You're confusing the system here. My um, bad. I think I think it, it almost could have squeaked out... Uh, cutting it close. Cutting it close, but... You argued the opposite, and I was fine with that. But I do think that this one is good enough 
to no, make I mean, the cut. I think making the cut. I don't think there's any realm which this is a cut above. I think this is just no. makes the cut. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. I agree 100%. All right, well, it makes the cut. Uh, and then next time, we'll see if Crystal Skull... <laughs> Should I just fill it in right now? Should I just, <laughs> just put it in the number? Well, no, because I, I don't know how low we're going, because like, keep in oh, mind fair. here, so for everyone who's not familiar with this scale, when we have to agree mm -hmm. on this cut thing after the number ratings, is we have a cut above, which is, you know, exceptional, top of the line. We have makes the cut, which is it's in. We have cutting it close, which is it kind of just maybe squeaks in, but it's, you know, it's borderless. It's up to preference. Yeah. Right. And then you've got, uh, you know, doesn't make the cut. Cut from, cut from the collection. Cut from the collection. And then you've got, uh, what's below that? That is cut your losses. Cut your losses, right? And then at the very, very bottom, there's it cut deep, right? So there's three levels of just, out, you know, negative to really bad to I will I will kill whoever did this to me, right? <laughs> that That's the thing. So I don't know how, like, it's definitely going to be in that bottom half, I think. But oh, I don't yeah. know where it's going to land in that. I've only seen it the once. I saw it in theaters in 2008, and I've not seen it since. I have seen it several times, unfortunately. <laughs> so this will just be a refresher for me. Part time. Uh, so yeah, we. That's uh, that's what's coming next time. Uh, so yep. of course, uh, it'd be a good time to tell you about all the bonus things you can get if you join our Patreon, and uh, you get bonus content every month. We have a bonus episode at the three dollar tier uh, for Indiana Jones season. We did a, a bonus episode on the Phantom. Uh, yep. which is the Billy Zane Indian, and Indiana Jones style superhero kind of thing. Uh, we also have Extra Reels, which is at the $5 and up tiers, and that is like a so bad it's good movie. And also kind of fit in the indie theme this month. We don't usually have try and tie them in, but this one kind of just did by accident. Uh, yeah. We did Sinbad, The Battle of the Dark Knights, which is horrendous. Yeah. So you can check out that if you're a patron. And you know, that's... I don't know what we've got a good like five of those now we've got a good seven bonus episodes that, yeah so, we got yeah. a good amount you know the bonus content's piling up and of course the other shows that are on male fuzz movies like the atomic cinema experiment and streams after midnight they have you know 40 and 50 bonus episodes a piece now uh so you know the the content you get on there is building up so if you want to support everything and get some goodies for it uh, on a regular basis you can do that and don't forget mm -hmm. to check out our new monthly criterion show where we review a criterion movie uh, yeah. on collector's cut the collection so that started last month and uh it's some classy cinema uh yep. so i think our second episode came out at this point already it, it might have done i wasn't going to i wasn't going to bring it up just in case yeah. but uh i mean we're this, this is coming out beginning of july so it must have come out by now if it's a june episode Oh yeah, I'm forgetting where these things come out. That's just why yeah. I just keep it vague, though. Like you, you yeah, you're trying. Like David tries to like overcomplicate the schedule so I could we can pinpoint exactly where anything is at any given time, and I'm like, just don't bring it up. It's fine. I'm sorry. I thought somebody here was all about these charts. I am. But... I am. But like, there's a level of which we don't have to know about it. It's okay. Okay. So. That's uh, that's the stuff you can go get. Go check out all that stuff out. But that is the show. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching movies. And uh, I don't know. <laughs> what did I say? Cuppeth from the drinketh the, the, the everlasting life. Uh, but hopefully not Connor. Bye, guys. Bye.